This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. To a very special, very fancy edition of Food and Loathing, coming to you from the Las Vegas Convention Center on the final day, as we record this, of the 2024 <laughs> Winter Fancy Food Show. I'm Al Mancini here with Samantha Gemini Stevens, and we are your fancy hosts for the day. Our engineer, Rich Johnson, is just recovering from COVID, and rather than risking the thousands of people here at the convention center, risking their health, he has decided to stay at home where he gets stuck doing all of the post-production hard work with none of the free food. You're welcome, conventioneers. We're thinking of you. We love you, Rich. Thank keeping you. our Jeremy Rich out of here. But we do love him. And with Rich out, Gemini is once again pulling double duty as co-host and engineer. So thank you so much for doing all the heavy lifting Absolutely. today, my friend. Um, so yeah, we're, we're here, right? We like are. we're here at the fancy food show. It's a lot of fun. Sounds a little echoey. We had a couple of options for space. We could have been right down there on the convention floor, but then you never know how much noise it's going to yeah. be. And we got a lot more space. So it's a little echoey. I'm sure Rich is losing his mind because <laughs> I'm not doing my mic right and all that. And that, that happens. But, um, look, we, we love being here and we've got so much good shit planned. So we should really, um, just start fucking knocking through there. What do yeah. you say, Gemini? Let's we just start it. knocking through. First of all, First thoughts, just first thoughts on fancy food. First thoughts, um, you know, we we between talking to people and walking the floor, there's lots of snack food, there's lots of popcorn. I like the layout a little bit differently this year. I feel like it's a, things are a little bit wider. I don't feel so crammed in. Um, the signage, I think, is better. Um, everybody is willing to share with you something to eat, something to drink. Every time you turn around, there's something new. Um, yeah, I just yeah. it's it's a lot like every year, but at the same time, it's different. It yeah. it has a different feel. Um, I've been having a lot of fun. This is my third day here. Yeah, and, um, really, just walking around. I've been hosting some events. It's been it's been really cool. And we're gonna get to that. I, we both have been texting people for the past couple of days, <laughs> trying to get them all to roll up here while we're doing this. So hopefully, yeah. we're gonna have people rolling through. Look, so basically, what I'm saying, this is one of those weeks where we basically throw away the format for the show. We're gonna hit you with all the standard stuff right now up front in abbreviated form. So in just a minute, you'll hear about the few places we've both eaten over the past week, and we'll give you a couple new stories. Even um, you'll hear a chat I had with celebrity chef Lashita Perry about the big taste of the NFL event coming to keep memory alive center on February 10th with a ton of local and nationally known chefs and VIP tickets still available as well as their planned visit to a local school and the work they do to give back to charities at the Super Bowl. So I hope some of the other major sporting event promoters are paying attention yeah. when we get there. Um, but 
Wait, we're not. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so we're going to do some restaurant reports. We're going to do some news. And then we will just hang out and yep. talk about the fancy food show for the rest of the show. Not sure how it will go. Could be a short episode. Could go way the fuck long. Who the hell knows? Um, you're just going to have to play around. We'll let Rich worry about that in post-production. I think it's time for us to just see what happens. So Gemini, before we start talking about the show, do you have any recent restaurant visits that we need to tell people I about? I do, I do. You know, I'm trying to stay away from all the repeats um, because everything is wonderful and that's why I go back but I tried a new sushi place on Sunday called Sushi Tanuki not far from my house um, you know I live at the Fort Apache Charleston area um, I got something called an avocado monster um, so I don't eat a lot of rice and things like that or at least I shouldn't be and I have been way too much but that's another story and it is a wonderfully large ball of this beautifully seasoned uh, soft shell crab, kind of like a, a mix. Um, there's a little spice to it, but not too much. And then they wrap the whole thing in avocado and hit it with some eel sauce. And it, it was the perfect, just grab a fork. It was mm. really difficult with chopsticks. So grab a fork, dig in. It's kind of like a spider crab roll or whatever <laughs> yeah. it's called, but without all the rice and, and all the crap that goes with it. Um, and then I also tried what they called their salmon roses, Again, no rice, lots of beautiful fish inside, some, some tempura shrimp, and then wrapped around that were pieces of salmon and really, really thinly sliced lemon. Super fresh, super good. We ordered some, some hot ponzu that they offered. Um, didn't really need, and they gave us soy. We didn't really need it. Everything was super flavorful. Um, and then John just had a California roll. We both had some miso soup. And what's the place called again? Sushi Tanuki. And yeah. I forget the cross streets, but it's really close to where I live. It's like two and a half miles from, from that Whole Foods. The main street that it's on is Sahara? I think it's on Sahara. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll double check that and I'll post something about it on my socials. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a new one to us. It was really fresh, really quick. Yeah, um, I don't experiment options. with sushi places that often. I go to my, my tried and true places I, yeah. usually. Um, I've gotten to that point where, you know, I... I I notice when the fish isn't that good. I notice yeah. when it's not cut that well. So I, yeah. so it's good to hear a yeah, recommendation high, of a new super, joint. Super highlight because it was cut well. It was fresh. Um, temperature was great. Flavors were great. Didn't need a lot of those extra sauces that they give you um, or that you have options for. The spicy ponzu I did order separately. I do want to say that that stood out. Um, it was really nice and light but had that kick that we wanted um, without going to the big chili sauces or the sriracha or something like that. Right. So sushi Tanuki, give it a shot. Cool. Okay. My abbreviated report on places I've dined in the last week. I paid two visits to Laguna Pool House in Palms Place last week. The first was for Mitch Schneider's birthday mixer. Yeah. It was a total blast. I got to reconnect, by the way, with Cheetah Chrome of the Dead Boys. Oh, my God. And re punk legend. Remind him how he used to harass me and demand free beer when um, I worked at CBGB <laughs> Pizza in the 1990s. As a good punk legend should. Of course. But anyway, we had some great bites at Mitch's party, but it just left me craving more of Chef Luke Palladino's mm, food. Yes. So I returned with Sue a couple of nights later and had an amazing meal. I'll tell you, the Guna Pool House in Palms Place, just off of the pool, the menu is small, but the dishes are very well executed. Slightly gourmet takes on comfort style foods. And I'll run through a few that I had to give you an idea what I mean by that. Um, provolone frito, which was a nice twist on mozzarella sticks, mm. but the provolone a little sharper than mozzarella. Yeah. Right? So he gave you a little, just a little bit of a bite there. I loved it. Yeah. 
Pan-seared salmon comes with the Sicilian-style pesto, which is pesto trapanese, and, and that's made with almonds instead mm -hmm. of the pine nuts. So again, just a little different. comes with Brussels sprouts. The shrimp tacos were really basic, but very good. A trio of small hard-shell tacos and homemade potato chips on the side. Again, all very good. I like Laguna Pool House a lot. Give it a shot. But again, small menu, very comfort style, things that you'll be Love familiar it. with, with a little bit of a twist and high-quality ingredients, great execution. I was invited to a press brunch at Alexa's in Paris, Las Vegas to try some new brunch additions to their menu. Um, right now, look, I'm just going to tell you they were all great. I had pancakes ladled with large, juicy blueberries. I had a delicate asparagus omelet with excellent smashed potatoes on the side fried up. Very solid French toast and an amazing order of shrimp and grits with bacon crumbles and melted herb butter. I do have an interview with the chef. I'm going to save that for next okay. week. Um, we just have so much shit going on today. But I'm glad you had a good experience because I just have had meh experiences with them lately, but it sounds like they're changing things up. It sounds like there's a lot of new stuff that people need to try. Look, Alexis is a high covers restaurant, it is. right? And they're there to cater to the mainstream masses. Yeah. They've got that beautiful view overlooking Las Vegas they Boulevard. Do. It's a fucking awesome place. They don't ha they wouldn't have to try, but they do try. And that's what right? I appreciate. And now, now you will be getting stuff that's a bit more mainstream. I sure. wouldn't be going there for the most experimental dishes in the world. I wouldn't be going there for some, <laughs> you know, some crazy molecular gastronomy <laughs> shit. Right. Know, know what you're getting. Getting there, I think they're really solid. I happen to really like the restaurant group that, re that runs Alexa's. Um, you know, it's the same people that run a lot of restaurants that wouldn't, maybe not be our first choices to go. The Cabo Wabo Cantina, right? Sure. Like, but but they're good when you get in there, right? Like yeah. they're touristy, but they're good, yeah. right? And that's what that group really knows how to do. They know how to make things that are going to be tourist friendly, tourist accessible. But the chefs are really good, and they know that they have to use good quality ingredients, yeah. and they have to put just a little twist on yeah. their dishes. And that's what I felt. When I was at Alexis. Yeah, and the staff has always been nothing but amazing. So, not trying to talk bad about them at all. I'm just glad you've had a better experience, and I'm really excited about checking out some of that new stuff. Yeah, definitely. We will go back to because they're adding some more as the month goes on. Great. And again, we will have an, an interview coming up. But next for me, visited Weiss's Deli in Henderson, and I just want to give you a reminder that it's one of the best New York style it Jewish is. delis in Vegas. Overstuffed sandwiches, potato pancakes. If you're in the hood, which is Sunset and Green Valley Parkway. Do yourself a favor. Remind yourself how good Weiss's is. Go in there and check it out. Mm. Finally, I visited Stray Pirate yes. with some friends, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a dog-themed pirate bar. I know, right? Chris Gutierrez <laughs> does great cocktails and great mocktails, and he has a lot more mocktails coming onto the menu. That's so I'm going to have him on the show to talk about that soon. But for now, I'm just going to tell you, the joint is on Commerce Street in the Arts District. We should record it's there cool. with him. We should. We really should. <laughs> it's the coolest new bar I've visited in a very long time, probably several years. I just fucking love the feel for it. It is not as over the top as a place like Golden Tiki, for example, sure. but it reminds me of the way that I felt when I first walked into Golden Tiki. Very, I know the word immersive is so fucking overused, but you do. It, say, it sets a real vibe, and um, you know I'm very happy with that. Is my mic on okay over no, there? you're we good. Got any buzzing no, going on? No, you're good. Okay, cool, cool. I'm, I'm getting rid of a little of the echo in the back by turning off the other ones we're not using. Ah, uh, okay, there you go. Learning the tricks. <laughs> so that is about it for my restaurant reports. So let's also run through a bit of the news. Yeah. Win Las Vegas just announced today, as we record, that Jeff Ramsey is the new executive chef for Mizumi, which of course just underwent a major renovation. Huge, yeah. So let's see if we can get him in here to chat soon. That'd but be great. congratulations, Chef. And briefly, I do want to talk Super Bowl. Look, um, you anybody who listens to this podcast or reads me on the internet or 
tries to avoid me but can't uh, on the internet <laughs> knows that I have given shit to other sporting events for not reaching out to the local community when they come in here for their big shindig. So yeah. I am going to give credit always where credit is due. Yep. And in this case, credit is due to the NFL. Um, I hope to reporting be reporting a lot on their community engagement over the next couple of weeks. So here's the first aspect of that. Um, Taste of the NFL is on Saturday, February 10th at Keep Memory Alive Event Center. There are only VIP tickets left. They're 1200 bucks a piece. Oof. It will feature Andrew Zimmern, Carla Hall, Tim Love, Rashida Perry, and Mark Butcher as their national celeb chefs. They're going to be joined by local chefs like James Trees, uh, Lorena Garcia, Todd English, and more. It's amazing. The money raised, I know, 1200 bucks, right? But look, if you're in town on Super Bowl weekend and you want to do fancy things, it's the fancy time one, of year, yeah. right? You want to do this shit. And this is what I love. The money raised goes to help feed hungry kids, and they will be paying a visit to a local school while they're here and feeding those kids. I'm planning to attend that school visit. Um, you know, that's really, I'm not trying to get my ass invited to the Super Bowl. I'm trying right. to get my ass invited to shit like that. Yeah. Um, but for now, right now, man, thankfully she dealt with me not knowing how to use Zoom properly like an old man. <laughs> and Chef Rashida Perry was cool enough to jump on a line and chat with me. So here's that conversation. I was excited to speak to you because there's a lot of hype about the NFL coming to Las Vegas. There's so much excitement about the game and about the players and about what's going on in the stadium. But I'm excited about the things that you are doing in our community that go beyond football and that, that really embrace the football that's here, but go beyond to really help the city of Las Vegas in ways while you're here. And you are therefore you are the person I really wanted to talk to because we have Taste of the NFL, which is being billed as one of the higher end, I think it's $1,200 ahead culinary events that is going to take place here in Las Vegas. And that's super cool, all these great chefs, and I want to hear all about it. But then I also want to hear about its mission, because the mission is what's very important as well. So first things first, let's talk about the party. Let's talk about the event that you're doing for Taste of the NFL. Yes, the best way to start off with it is it's four hours of food, fun, and football. And what I mean by that is you're going to be able to experience some amazing food prepared by five acclaimed celebrity chefs, including Andrew Zimmerman, Carla Hall, Tim Love, Mark Boucher, and of course myself, the queen of flavor. Um, but because we're in Las Vegas, we're also going to extend this invite to some amazing chefs local in Las Vegas, as well as mixologists. So you're, you're, you have the five celebrity chefs, but then you have your amazing chefs in the city and they're going to have their own signature signature dishes and spirited beverages as well. And some of those celebrity chefs include Todd English, Belle English, James Trees, uh, Michael White, Charlene Gladden, and tons of other people. So I'm stoked about that because nothing more than just seeing other chefs who share that same mission with you, right? But in addition to the food and the beverages, we're going to have some amazing NFL greats there. That's right. We're talking about over 30 NFL greats that are going to mingle with the guests as well. So you have chefs and you have NFL players. Like, come on. Does that not, does that not sound like a good time or what? <laughs> it sounds like an amazing party. It really does. Um, and tickets are still available now. So I want people to know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Tickets. 
Yeah. Yep, you can. You can go to uh, tasteofthenfl.com to purchase your ticket. And the event is going to be at um, Keep Memory Alive Event Center in Las Vegas on Saturday, February 10th, 2024, between 3 and 7 p.m. Pacific time. Also, though, what I love about this is it, it benefits um, Gen Youth, which is yep. one of the NFL's um, nonprofit events. And that is, can you tell me a bit about what their purpose is? And then also about the visit that you're going to be doing to a school here in Las Vegas. Yes, absolutely. So Gen Youth, um, their mission is to end student hunger. Um and that's because that, that is a problem in our country. It's it's a huge problem. Um, one in eight U.S. kids are food insecure. So that that's about 30 million children. You know, that's a lot, you know, and then. To be honest, it can be more than that. So by purchasing these tickets, attending the event, all of the proceeds are going to go to Gen Youth's mission to end student hunger. Uh, because we know children, they rely on meals for an important part of their daily nourishment. I know as a kid, if I had a good breakfast, I was able to focus in class. I was able to be alert. I, I wanted to be active. But if our children are in school and, and they're malnourished or hungry, that, that impacts them on so many levels, not just physically, but mentally. Um, so I that's why I'm so lucky to be part of this because I really, really believe in their commitment and I'm happy to help them carry it out. And they, and I don't know if you will be here for this particular event, but I've been invited down on February 8th, on a Thursday, February 8th at 1030. They're going to the West Preparatory Academy um, in Las Vegas, and they're going to be at, down there with the kids and I guess feeding the kids. So I don't know if you'll be at that event, but could you just talk to me about, I guess, generally how cool it is to be able to get out and you know you come to a city and it's all the pomp and the circumstance and it's a huge party but then to be able to actually get out there and give some food to hungry kids you know who are really just trying to get through their day i mean it's not you know it's not super sunday when you're hungry you know Right. Absolutely. And yes, I, I've been invited to attend as well. Um, so I'm really stoked to mingle with the students there and, and their staff as well. Um, and to, to answer your question, it's it's one of those things where I said, um, as a pastry chef, you know, how else can I use my passion and my skills other than, you know, providing the service that I already do with cakes, cookies, pies, and all of that. But how can I make an impact um, in my community, my local community, but to be given the opportunity to do it um, nationally as well, um, that that hits home for me um, because I, I've been in the shelter before. Um, I, I've been at that that point where sometimes you know food was a little short so I, i'm just for someone who's been there and i have the opportunity to give back it's a full circle moment for me hell yeah well cool thank you so much for your time theft chef absolutely thank you i'm excited we're a couple weeks away so don't forget to get your ticket i've got one more news thing we have to share James Beard Foundation announced their semifinalists for 2023-2024 Wednesday morning, and Las Vegas and Henderson has five different semifinalists. For Outstanding Chef, which is a national award, that's Oscar Amador Ito of Anima by EDO and, of course, EDO Tapas. 
outstanding pastry chef or baker, Kimmy and Josh McIntosh over at Milkfish Bake Shop. And for Best Chef Southwest, we have three. We have Brian Howard at Sparrow and Wolf, DJ Flores at Milpa, and Steve Kessler at Aroma Latina Cucina. Congratulations, everybody. Job well done. I mean, go eat the food. We love you. Good luck. And that is about it for the abbreviated news. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break if you're cool, and we'll yeah. come back. We'll talk Fancy Food Show exclusively for the rest of the show, right? Let's do it. This is Food and Loathing. Here you are in Vegas. You're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. And as we hang out up here on the second floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center, hoping that our friends are going to come in, walk by, <laughs> talk to us about their experiences, that maybe some of the producers that we've been chatting with for three yeah. days now come by. And the first, you always know she's going to be first. You always know she's going to show up when she says she is. That's one of the million reasons we love Leanne Notabartolo, um, the creator of the um, Good for Spooning blog and, and cooking clubs and all kinds of other stuff. Leanne, how are you? I'm great, Al. Thank you and Gemini for having me. I always love to be a friend of the show and, you know, share my thoughts and insights and ideas with you guys. I'm Absolutely. honored to be included. How are things going with you these days, by the way? Other than the fact that I'm in a boot because I sprained my ankle and tripped over the damn dog, I'm good. <laughs> Apparently there's a lot of ankle spraining. You should go um, commiserate with Carrie next door. Oh, yeah. She's got, and if you need to borrow one of those skateboard things that you put your legs on, she's got one of those. So, yeah. Um, and this is not a good event to be at with a hurt foot. I know. It's, I'm like, you are right. a trooper. Nah, it's fine. My feet hurt so bad last fucking night, man. Oh. I had to get up to take a piss in the middle of the night oh, no. and I was just like put all the weight on my feet oh. and I was like ah I need crutches to get to the bathroom <laughs> from walking this floor man and it's not like the old out of shape thing which I'm used to it's sure just no it's the pounding of, the, of your feet uh, on yeah. your feet man and you need um, better shoes yeah. Well, and they need better carpets. Yeah, that's true, These are right. cement yeah, floors yeah. with yeah. pretty carpet on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Convention yeah. floor, you know? You just yeah. Just it up. I used to walk the Las Vegas Convention uh, Center for um, Consumer Electronics Show, man, and I swear it felt like my feet had been pounded with sledgehammers for the days afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Because you're just banging on that, that cement floor. Oh, I've cooked live at on Caesars Palace uh, pool, which mm -hmm. is concrete, yep. for hours. Yeah. And I was ready to like just put my feet in ice baths because it was miserable. It was miserable. So how long have you been here? Is this your first day at the show? No, have I you... came yesterday as well. Okay. Um, so first impressions, anybody. what are you thinking? It's always nice to see repeat visitors to our city that bring something new. And when I go on the floor and I found something really cool last year, for example, I find that booth again and say, hey, I really liked what you did with X, Y, and Z. What do you have that's new? Absolutely. And so I did, I was telling Gemini when I first came in, there's a company, and I'm going to try not to make too much noise. You background. can make all the noise no, you, you can, want, man. You're, that's digging, you're digging through ambience. a food okay. bag from the you fancy sounds too show. empty here in our little room. We're not right <laughs> so, on the floor. We're kind of up and separated away. So we need we need the ambiance. Wrinkle right. your bags. Okay. Oh, yeah. So the name of the company is called The Sweetery. And what they do is they make biscotti 
which are intended to be used for beer, wine, and whiskey drinkers. Mm. Now, last year, I picked up some really good beer wines, and so I saw them again this year, and I'm like, "What? Do, I loved your stuff. I gifted them last year. They were big hits in my house. What do you have that's new? And this one is brand new, and it's hard ginger. So it's kind of like a ginger snap, only not as dense. Ginger biscotti. And you can, mm. di- and he has little shots of uh, Jack Daniels for you oh. to try it with. No, oh, no way you're over there. <laughs> what booth number am I going to? Uh, crap, I don't know what the booth number is, but he's toward the front on past the 1100. Okay. So, yeah. okay, we'll okay. give directions after the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's going so, to this fucking booth. Well, tell me about, what's the name of the company now? The Sweetery. The Sweetery, okay. And so I'm they right have. Um, but now these, are these savory biscotti? Or are they sweet no, biscotti this with these? one's a little sweet. Okay, what about the ones you were giving away last year? Uh, he gave me a stout one, which is also kind of chocolatey. It's meant for porters. Oh yeah. And stout. Stuff like that. And it, and it has like a, um, a pork kind of taste to it. Interesting. It's called rind and stout. Did you just say a port or a pork? Pork. 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 Like yeah. shisharones. So we're Rind. talking savory then. It's this is savory. not sweet. It's I, I sweet mean, and savory. No, pork it, is not no, no, no. generally considered one <laughs> of your sweet food groups. No, no, but it's sweet and savory. Yeah. So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Pork with some maple but syrup dang, on it. Have, I have dipped uh, candied bacon yeah, into booze of course. sometimes okay, so it's delicious. Same idea, but this one here, the new one, you can use it with hard cider. You could use it with rye. You can use it with bourbon. You awesome. can use it with whiskey. Cool. And it's got that ginger component that just works really well with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So these guys were cool. I really like them. Um, <clears throat> you got some truffle potato chips yeah, sitting up so, on the table. Oh, I, I love see. that brand. So this company, Torres, uh, we are all, anybody who loves a good chip is familiar with these. Yep. And these truffle chips are amazing. The caviar ones are out of sight. And the fo- I ate the foie gras ones the other day. Okay. Also delicious. Not as depth of flavor as the truffle and the caviar by any stretch, but they're still good. So pota- new- gourmet potato chips at the fancy food show. Yes. Yeah. And yes. we're seeing a lot of snack foods down there, a right? Lot a lot of snack foods. A lot of popcorn, a lot of potato chips yeah but this company really does a great job yeah. so Torres is Torres Selecta that's your favorite yeah. of no, all no. the well I didn't say that I said this one's a solid choice yeah they have one that's a fried egg what and it tastes like a fried I haven't tried that egg. one yet. yeah it's brand new like I said <laughs> when I go and I ask them you know hey what have you got that's new that was one of the things this one this is my favorite truffle chip brand it's called the saucy ladies love it and they have several different, they're based out of New York, and their truffle chip was the best chip, truffle chip I've tried. Okay. Period. Period. Okay. And I love a awesome. truffle chip. I mean, I do. Yeah. Um, the other really cool thing I saw were these beautiful herbed Marcona olives. Oh, They're in yeah. the Jose Andreas booth. And because we love to talk about cocktails, and we already started, I couldn't resist these. Bloody <laughs> Mary Yes. So they're made by a Divina, which okay. is a really popular brand that's available Oh, yeah, I get their everywhere. fig jam all the time. Sure. Yeah. These are marinated basically in Bloody Mary mix, and they're pitted, so they're not stuffed. Okay. So there's no blue cheese. There's no pimento. There's nothing in them, but it's a Bloody Mary brined nice. olive with horseradish and all the things you love about Bloody Marys. So there's lots of really cool cocktail stuff down there. There's lots of really. Oh, yeah, cool by the way, that's, we're having fun. I'm loving this. The party's actually coming in. I know. Party's coming in. We've, We've got, got Chris, Chris Pushka. Yeah, from Aficionado is about to sit down. So um, please, Chris, make yourself comfortable while Leanne runs through a couple other things. Then we're just going to swap out yep. the headphones and move right on to you if that's cool. So, Leanne, okay, come so on. Where are I, we going now? I love Next the Italian up. pavilion. Always, always, always. Yeah. yeah. And they love me because my last 
last name's not of Bartolo. <laughs> um, and it's right there on your thing. It, yeah. well, right there on your it's name tag. Not. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, I don't want to talk about whose name's yeah, on your no, name tag. Talk about whose name's on my name tag. That's the Vegas way of getting into conventions. That's well, right. No, my registration didn't go through. Oh no. And so that's okay. We're not going to narc this on you. Gal yeah. on to the here onto the products. Next, so, before um, we before we move pavilion on, the French is very interesting this year. A lot of. Um, a lot of cheeses that you would expect, but also some really cool other products. The Japanese pavilion was really A lot of soy sauce is at the yeah, Japanese pavilion this year. I need to go back there. Year. I saw a barrel I need to taste. vendors of soy sauce, and yeah. each one of them has a dozen. Yeah. yeah. It's overwhelming for somebody like me. It's yeah. just really oh. overwhelming. The Japanese pavilion, I will say, a lot of um, really in-depth. Like, look, you come to the fancy food show because you know a little more about food than yeah. other people do. And you, you are in the business normally and you're trying to get something that's a little above and beyond. But it's always a good sign because when you see things start being shown here, because it means that it's going to go more mainstream, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the more, now, you know, when you hear, I'm seeing a lot of potato chips this year, that doesn't excite me. It really does. It makes me go, oh, great, more fucking potato chips. Just what we need. More flavors of fucking potato <laughs> chips. Potato chips are my kryptonite, but, so I'm, like, super excited about it. <laughs> but, but the things I saw in that Japanese pavilion really, really excited me. Did the you barrel try the dashi? soy sauces. I didn't try the dashi. <gasps> so but good. Down to the one I thing that I did get Japanese try, wagyu this morning. <laughs> I tried their seafood, the Japanese seafood, and they were showing different scallops from different parts of oh, Japan. Yeah. So I was eating a raw Hokkaido this scallop next to a raw, I think it was a Miyagi. I'm not, I forget what the other yeah. city was, the other prefecture, my apology. But what was really cool about it is they were showing me how mm -hmm. the ones that move around more where they are yeah. are um, more muscular and have more of a firmness to them and the other ones. So it really Softer to educate you. Denser, yes. Right, so when you, because we all see this shit on menus when we go and I've been eating Hokkaido sea scallops for, uh, yeah. you know, 30 Forever. years. It's, it's synonymous like, basically. You know, I never was able to really tell you what was if you put a Hokkaido side by side by a different scallop right. right so they're bringing that level of um of minutia to what they're pitching to the chefs yeah. and the restaurateurs this year and i think that means that we're going to see that level of attention to quality ingredients coming so. across next yeah. year which makes me really happy well this is something cool that i found in the japanese pavilion. oh i got some of that too what are okay. those peppercorns no. no they are roasted sesame seeds but they're flavored with japanese pickled plum and salt okay. yeah Sesame seeds very big this year across yes. the board. A lot of sesame products and sesame seeds themselves. Well, the other thing that I've really seen a lot of is um, anchovy paste yeah. by lots and lots of different purveyors yeah. that I've never seen their product before. Cool. And I can trust so the guy, I told him how much I like these. He goes, here, take the whole jar. I was like, okay. <laughs> so really cool, right? Yeah, so really these cool. are for like putting on a, a rice bowl or if you're doing a poke mm. or if you're making your own sushi rolls at What's home. the name of the company? Makoto. M-A-K-O-T-O. -O. Okay. So and there's also a, um, right by him in the same aisle, there's a guy who's doing dashi. And he's giving samples to take home so that you can learn, you know. Make your own dashi. Make your yeah. own dashi. Nice. So Educate that's in here consumer. too, but I can't find it. That's but cool. Yeah. He's well, there. Thank you so much for dropping by. We Anytime. always love having you. I always love talking to you guys for yep. no reason. <laughs> yeah. This is a great reason. So tell people where they can find your stuff. You can find me at Good for Spooning on Instagram, on YouTube, and on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for coming. You can feel free to hang out, but we're going to swap. have you swap yeah, out. I want to I want to listen to what she's got to say about cool. the tin fish. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm finding it wasn't as much as last year. Cool. So All as right. you guys do that, I'm going to tell Gemini a little 
little bit about what I did yesterday because yeah. you missed that and we need to talk about it anyway. So um, I actually had the chance to go down into the lobby. I was the host of a Shark Tank style yeah. presentation, right? Which was really cool. So there are four entrepreneurs that had won a competition just to get to this yep. point. They were pitching. They're competing for, I think, a $10,000 first prize and a oh, $1,000 wow. fan prize, right? Um, Chef Gary Lamort was one of the judges for yep. them. Um, I get to meet um, Cherie Williams, who was one of the judges, who's fantastic. This is a woman who's really dedicated to preserving the stories of African, um, African-American and the whole African diaspora, their, mm-hmm. their stories and their food culture, right? And she runs um, a noir magazine and, um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. So she was one of the judges. We had somebody from Whole Foods as a judge. And man, these people came in. And I'll say... We talk about entrepreneurs, but like a couple of them had already taken things to billion dollar oh, companies sure. and this is their next product. And a couple of them were really brand new, fresh, you know, young people. They presented their products. I got to stand up on stage. I got to introduce people to that. It was so much fun. Oh, that sounds amazing. Had a really, really great time. I'm hoping maybe some of the winners will come by um, today and we'll yeah. get to talk. But um, it was what I was seeing there was ethnic cuisines, right? Yeah. Um, some prepackaged stuff to bring home. A lot more things like... Um, um, Asian and Southeast South Pacific Island comfort foods, yeah. right? That are made like so. Instead of buying potato chips and things like that, you buy like dumplings and, yeah, and stuff like absolutely. that as fast food, frozen food, right? So this idea to bring frozen junk food, comfort food kind of stuff from different cultures. I love it. We're seeing a lot of that non-alcoholic drinking and yeah. some really complex. That's gotten bigger this year, I've noticed. Really, really big this year. Um, so I just had a lot of fun, and I really do want to thank everybody from the um, from the organization here, especially Foods Association, for asking Neon Feast to be part of this year's event. And I got to stand up there on stage in the middle of the yeah, thing. Baby. I mean, you know, I was like, I felt pretty cool. So <laughs> I had a lot of fun. There is my story as we got Chris um, queued up. Uh, Gemini, you want to give Chris an official introduction here so everybody yeah. knows who she is? So we are sitting here now. She came up to visit. This is Chris Pushka from Tin Fishionado. She also runs the Tin Fish Club here in Las Vegas. And I was so excited to hear that she was at the show today because I want to know about what you're seeing trending. I know you're really into, um, you know, where you get your tins because I know that you sell them. Um, you did get the Snail of Approval Award. We talked to you about that recently. Yeah, congratulations. Um, what, yeah, congrats. So fun. Um, so what are you seeing on the floor as as it pertains to the stuff that you were doing. And also, she's the only person I know who has what I believe is an oyster tattooed on her. Is that yeah, an oyster tattoo on your food arm? I Anthony love it. Bourdain oyster. That's yeah. awesome. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't see a ton of tin fish this year. I know that um, a priori, who's my distributor out of Utah, they opted to not be... Um, an actual like vendor this year, but yep. they came and they spoke and they're here and they're participating. Um, and I think they had that really big presence last year of the tinfish setup. So I saw a couple. Um, tinfish really seem to be. And look, if you you listen to this podcast, I know you know I'm not a part of the. You know, you're not preaching the <laughs> choir for me with tinfish. It's not my yeah. thing. That's great. Everything doesn't have to be my fucking thing. I still love that it's out there. But last year, that was everybody came up to this room while we were recording. They told us they're seeing so much tinfish, and Diana Breyer told us all about that. And I just rolled my eyes. I mean, it's a podcast, so nobody could see it. But I was like, no fucking way this is going to catch on. (laughs) And I was the wrongest I've ever been since I said I hated the band Faith No More 40 years ago and had to go on the air and apologize. Um, Just I was so wrong. Um, It is clearly taken off. And was for you, as someone who is now such a major part of the local Las Vegas tin fish scene, was last year a jumping off point for you or was that just a sign that what you were already into was finally hitting the mainstream? Yeah, that was, so I, this is actually my first fancy food show. 
I was in Japan randomly last year during the show, so I missed it. But um, so I didn't see it, but I listened to the podcast and I was, you know, following along. Um, I it wasn't a jumping up for me. I've been into tin fish for a long time, but I know a priori their level of curation of what they sell and you know put out in the world is so high. And so I think that was a big thing for the show. I mean, I'm not surprised everybody was talking about it. Their booth yeah. was stunning. I saw the pictures. The brands that they brought in from Europe um, to come and show their wares were phenomenal. Um, some of the best brands that I sell. So I'm not surprised that was the case. I'm a little sad there wasn't more <laughs> this year. Um, there's a couple that I saw, but I think... Um, you know, hopefully next year there's more. But for me, I was here kind of looking for what else, like what's going along with tinfish? Because what I find is the biggest hurdle for people is what do I do with tinfish? You know, mm -hmm. I bought this tin. It was 10 or 20 or $30. I mean, yeah, that's kind of me. It. I'm like, yeah. you know, what am I going to do? Just put it all out? I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Sometimes I eat it right out of the can. You know, sometimes I put it on a cracker. Sometimes yeah. it goes into pasta. You just, it just depends on what it is. There's so many options, but I think that's what I do when I do my booths is show people pictures of like how to eat it and how to cook mm -hmm. with it. But what I've been finding, um, I saw a lot of sauces here this year. Mm -hmm. Like there was this really cute, I loved the new now next section where it's just very small companies kind of, you know, promoting their brands. I met this lovely couple. It's called Grumpy Ginger. They're doing a <laughs> I have a card from them. Somebody gave me yes. a card and told me I had to check them out and I haven't been by yet. Kiri Valentikmore told me, have you been to this booth? I ran over there. Um, they're doing Malaysian red curry paste, a mild and a spicy. Ooh. And they're just, uh, just, it's just the two of them. They're out of Brooklyn. Um, it was phenomenal. And to me, I think it's more like, what do you pair with items? You know, like that would be phenomenal with tinned mackerel and some rice. Um, so that's kind of what I'm here more for this year is like, what goes with tin fish? How do we educate people on like how to make it um, and what to serve it with? But, uh, but yeah, sadly, not a huge tin fish presence this year. So hopefully next year will be more. Cool. So, yeah. um, so sauces, I think you draw, I saw so many sauces yeah. this year. I mean, it's actually, there's so much fun to shoot when I'm shooting for, and you check out the Neon Feast uh, guide yep. TikTok page. It's just me like shooting random, <laughs> you know, B-roll and talking in the background while I sit next to a giant M&M guy, but our jelly belly guy, I forget who the fuck he was, but, um, but sauces are so much fun to shoot because you could just walk down and shoot them, right? So sauces, mustards, honeys, yep. and I would think not all of those, but a lot of those would be very good compliments to this sort of snacking culture yep. that that tin fish seems to go pretty well yeah. with. Yeah. Pickles and to your like potato chip point, like we're not reinventing the wheel with pickles, <laughs> but there was a lot of pickles. There's a like, lot of pickles, cool pickles and, fennel, and dill pickles, flavored okra. things this year. Yeah. yeah. So I saw a lot of that. Um the Japan, like you mentioned already, the Japan section with the fish was incredible. The scallops, the um there was fish that they fed oranges, and then the meat tasted like orange. It was Interesting. Set up with the Hokkaido scallop, really, and that was phenomenal. Um, I think it was maybe like a yellowtail. They had a grilled version, like a teriyaki version and a plain version. Um, but if you missed it, go back. That that whole section was phenomenal. The wagyu, but yeah, that, that's trending wise. I'm seeing a lot more to go items, like you were mentioning, um, sauces, just like the easy way to have something delicious that feels a little more international mm -hmm. is kind of what I was seeing a lot of. And that international, and this was made at the at the presentations that I was uh, emceeing last night, you know, is this whole idea that such a large portion of our population is not just American born or first generation, right? They grew up in families that were making dishes from other cultures. So comfort food is not just what the American comfort food right. is anymore. Comfort foods in America are much more global. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. And it's almost, I mean, I don't know. Yes, as a cultural standpoint, I love it, right? I love it. We go, okay, all of our cultures are equal and we're all being included. And so you all get junk food, right? <laughs> like, okay. Like it sort of is like, oh man, 
And, you know, I loved it when I only thought of Japanese food as these pristine cuts of sushi and things like that. But then, you know, then you go into the local video game store and they're selling ridiculous Japanese flavors mm -hmm. of Oreos. And you don't know <laughs> if you really like it or not. Right. But it's it's a lot like that this year. It feels like to mm -hmm. me is a lot of people just going, OK, here's the junk food from my country. And like, well, I don't <laughs> want junk food, but I do like your country. So, OK. Yeah, so. No, I saw a lot of that. I also saw a lot of sustainability um, forward marketing, um, which was interesting. One of the one of the only tin fish brands here, it's called Tonino out of Spain. They um, packaged down in Costa Rica and they had a VR setup that you sit down, put on the VR goggles and you actually like watch underwater in the ocean. They talk about sustainability for two minutes, which I thought was a really interesting marketing angle. Um, for people to like witness yeah. kind of their fishing practices, which mm -hmm. is great. I, all of my fish are sustainably caught on my website. And so I was interested in that, but I thought that was a really smart kind of play. Yeah, and I saw the caviar companies that were bringing um, pictures of the actual pens that these fish are, are being grown. Because a lot of these caviars are now in pen indoors, you yeah. know, for a portion of their life, the sturgeon. Um, and people just showing that, right? Because I think we've gotten to that point where that's almost just become, you know, de rigueur is, you know, you better tell me it's GMO free. You better tell me it's fucking sustainable. Yeah. You better fucking tell me that it's, you know, humane. And I mean, I, honestly, I don't want to call anybody out. I overheard this. I may have heard it wrong, but I heard a guy from like the Humane Pork Company or something. Somebody yeah. asked him a question about how the pigs were specifically raised. And he was like, well, we don't actually raise them ourselves. We buy them. And I'm like, wait, well, you're pitching how humane it is. Like, could you go out and visit it? But, you know, I'm not going to name that company because maybe I misunderstood it. But it, I, I bring it up because it's evidence that, you know, those are the words that, that have to be on everything. And they and people want proof. They don't just want the words. They want to see the pictures. Yeah. They want to see how you're raising your animals. They really do want to ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a lot of plant-based products. I don't know if you guys saw. There was plant-based yep. even meats, like plant-based whole butcher. Yeah, I did a I did a brief interview that'll be playing. Did um, you in do cell-grown cell cell-based meats? Any of the factory? I talked grown to Primo cells? Foods um, that uses a lot of koji and things like that. So, and we have a chat with them. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Even um, plant-based caviar. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I had that. And then I told them that they, I, I had their plant-based caviar, which was very good. I liked it. And then I said to them, um, oh, is this the same product Tal Ronan uses over at Crossroads Kitchen in the Resorts World? And they'd never heard of Tal Ronan Crossroads Kitchen. Oh, my but God. But they were staying at Resorts World. Ah. And I was just like, yo, get your asses over there. <laughs> See what he's doing, man. Yeah, oh, my God. But that's the beauty. That's why people come to Las Vegas. Yeah, Absolutely. So, well, thanks so much. One last product you want to talk about having seen? Anything else, or did you hit everything? That was it. Really, the grumpy ginger was my highlight. I've written that one down. Small, you know, the highlighting small producers, and they're like as small, they're two people. So it's basically as small as you can get. It's delicious. So awesome. Great. And Thank what's you. the next thing Tin Fishionato has going on? So I have I'm about to launch a ceramic line with a local ceramic maker, which is going to be like ceramic tin fish stuff. Um, and then our tin fish club is continuing to grow. We're at 300 people now, which is super cool. Fun. Congrats. Yeah. Doing those monthly meetups, and uh, and it's a blast. So. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time. And we're just going to slide in our next guest. Yeah. Thank you for having or thanks. thanks for being here. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for being had. Yeah. And we have with us Emily Darchuk, the founder of, I, I always say this wrong, Wayward Spirit, W-H-E-Y-W-A-R-D, as in Cheeseway. 
things like that. And this is a repeat, right? Weren't you up here for our podcast last year? Uh, I know I talked to you last year. We did a floor interview year. last year. Yeah. Floor interview. <laughs> we have new innovations this year. Exactly. That's what people have been telling me. So I remember I met you last year. You were recycling the whey from cheese, actually upcycling yep. the whey from cheese into hard liquor, which I was like, <laughs> God bless America. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard of. And if anybody doesn't, if anybody thinks they're against environmentalism and upcycling, if whiskey is what comes out, I'm a happy man, right? I mean, I'm, I, I like the principle in general, but yeah. you know, like this, this should convince people. So yeah, I drank your stuff last year. Tell us, tell us about, about your company and your products. Yeah. Um, at Wayward Spirit, we like to say our name's multifaceted. It explains not only what we make, but why we make it. And it's all about that wayward mentality to do things differently for the right reasons. So instead of a traditional grain, grape, or agave, we work with sustainable dairy partners to upcycle their way. And we use that as a fermentative base of our spirit. Um, what that does is we are able to prevent gallons of food waste with every bottle. We also have a fraction of the carbon and water footprint. But really, we're a spirit where you can taste a difference and make a difference. The make a difference is clear, but I think the taste of difference is really what's interesting and um, what we're really proud about. So we're defined as a specialty spirit. So what that means is we have the creative freedom to make all of our production choices based on what's best for both flavor and impact. So it allows us as a spirit to have its own signature flavor with a beautiful balance and lovely um, notes that you're not getting from your typical vodka, gin, rum, mm -hmm. tequila that actually works like magic as a base of any cocktail or is something refreshingly lovely that you can actually sip and savor straight. So won some of the top awards around the world with Wayward Spirit, even did a collaboration with Ben and Jerry's. And, you know, with that beautiful spirit, not many people can say that many gold medals goes into a barrel. Um, <laughs> but we started to barrel age it. And, wow. you know, in goes Wayward Spirit, out comes Wayward Whiskey. Um, so and that's new this year. Yeah, Wayward Whiskey. Yeah. I, I have a hard enough time remembering when to spell whiskey with an E and when not to spell whiskey with an E. Now I've got Waze. You got two E's in this uh, one. Okay. So, um, so what, tell me about that product. Yeah, so it's the barrel-aged version of Wayward Spirit. And again, being a specialty spirit, we can make our decisions on flavor and impact. So we're focused on just... Um, you know, adding value to the consumer and being good stewards on how we make our products. So, so use it how you would normally use a whiskey? Use it to make, say, a whiskey sour? Use it to make an old-fashioned or no? Yeah, so it's perfectly balanced, really easy to drink. What we're doing is we're being careful not to over-oak it. So we have the flexibility in how we're doing our aging, and we're using our aging to actually amplify and, you know, um, you know, add even more complexity to our original. So you're getting some interesting notes that you're not getting from your standard whiskey or bourbon. So a little toasted toffee, chocolate-covered espresso beans. But really, it's an approachable spirit. But now that we have the two products... You know, we're offering a two-bottle solution. You can make any cocktail under the sun mm -hmm. with it. Um, and we do our little wayward twist with it. So, like, um, on our uh, necker for the whiskey, um, instead of an old-fashioned, we have the new era. And instead of, you know, a traditional Manhattan, um, we're you know, have the way to Manhattan and we're using black walnut bitters within that recipe. So you're able to do just these little simple culinary twists that really elevate 
a cocktail, tell a story without having to do a ton of work. So. And so just to clarify, you're taking the original wayward spirit mm-hmm. and aging that. How are you aging that? What kind of barrels are you using? What kind of wood have you chosen? Yeah. So we were really intentional on what's going to bring that out. And the big thing for me is like, hey, okay, here's how everyone's doing it. Is that the best way to do it? Is that the best thing for us? Um, and what we decided is like, hey, there's things that could be done and there's pain points and especially sustainability pain points in the spirit industry in a lot of categories. And one of them's barrels and that. So we're actually recuperating our barrels. So we're shading out the inside of our barrels and doing our custom char on it. So it's like new um, wood quality um, and contact for our spirit to do that transfer, but we're not having to cut down and source a new barrel, a new tree every single time. So doing these little innovative twists, tasting it, you know, not saying, hey, you know, it needs to sit for so many years until it's good. Let's keep trying it. Let's get it to that perfect point, And then that's when it's ready to be whiskey. That's great. Yeah. Um, So we talk, we've been talking to other people about what the impact is of of being here at the fancy food show. Again, I remember last year, everybody was talking about you guys. So do you see a boost in sales? Does it really, does it propel sales to be one of the buzzed about people here at the fancy food show? The big thing too, and it's awesome. You see friendly faces again that are excited to see the product had a great, um, Uh, interaction last year and then you know it it builds those relationships so year over year we sell directly from our website across the country so anyone can buy um, wayward spirit and wayward whiskey and get it shipped to their house two or more bottles free shipping at wayward w-h-e-y w-a-r-d spirit.com um, so we get a lift in sales, but really it's the relationships here. It's seeing those partners. It's figuring out the collaborations. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of shared passion and um, that. So it's it's both sales and relationships. And we really love this show for both of those. Awesome. I, look, I'm going to do this because if I don't, somebody's going to be listening to this podcast. And they're <laughs> going to be pissed off that I did not ask you this question. So I'm going to ask you the simple question. And I'll, I'll keep my language proper. I won't even use the WTF. <laughs> what the heck is way? We all know little yeah. Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet. She had the curds. She had the way. We know we take the curds. We make cheese out of it. We have good stuff with it. Lots of us don't know what the hell the way is other than the Miss Muffet and her tuffet and then a spider came. So please explain what you're making this booze out of. Yes. I always start with her. The, <laughs> the New York Times wrote a piece about us and they're like, this is what little Miss Muffet would drink on her 21st birthday. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> um, but the long story short, every 10 pounds of milk, you can only create one pound of cheese. Those are those curds that get pushed. You're left with nine pounds away. Super mild, doesn't taste cheesy, just chock full of nutrients. Um, and, you know, 90% of all that milk goes into a waste stream. And the only reason it's going to waste stream is like, that's not their core business. They're right. making cheese. Um, but it's, And they so they never used to feed it to animals or anything? Yeah. So what happens sometimes is it goes down the drain and you have to do wastewater treatment. It can get spread on a field. Um, sometimes it goes to animals, but it's really rich in nutrients. So you can't just give everything to an animal and right. sometimes your producers outgrow you know what's in their community and everything like that plus so, people need to get drunk <laughs> yes I mean, you know. <laughs> so I saw a gap I I spent my I'm a food scientist and I worked in the industry and I saw a lot of gaps in the food system and I thought hey here's that opportunity to help upcycle um, and keep that in the food system um, and also bring some innovation and really connect people on how their food's made right it connects you to how 
-hmm. your cheese is made and now, hey, you learned a little bit more about how spirits are made and gets you thinking about what else could happen. And, you know, I'm really hoping that creative wayward spirit then trickles down to what can I do in the glass and how can I connect to my meal and that. So we're really proud to be a very much culinary focused spirit and nobody's really having that conversation because I, I don't think there is in deep is yeah. their why on how they're making it in that. Well, thanks so much. Tell people one more time where they, where they can get more information, maybe where they can order it, buy it, etc. Yeah, so go to waywardspirit.com. W-H-W-A-R-D-S-P-I-R-I-T.com. You can join the herd. We send out really cool cocktail recipes and updates and a lot of things that we do. Um, there and then also uh, you can buy bottles, ship them across the country. We would love to have you guys as supporters and you know tag us, show us pictures of what creative recipes you guys come up with. Like that's part of the fun of this job. Thank you so much for all of your time. And as we're swapping out headphones and gear and getting all <laughs> set up to talk to us, one of the folks that I worked with yesterday at my event, this is Cherie Williams. She was one of the judges at the um, the kind of Shark Tank. I don't know. Maybe you're probably not allowed to say that because it's probably some trademark <laughs> yeah. issue. Mark Cuban. Hey, Mark, don't worry about it, man. You're using but it as, an, as, as, a, as a As a generic. Comparison. As a generic, oh. right. But we, they did their own kind of shark tank. But Cherie, was, meeting you was so fascinating to me. And I love having you here to talk a little bit more about this because you are with the Global Food and Drink Initiative, also with the magazine. I want to make sure I have it right. Cuisine Noir, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Awesome. And, you know, and I came in to make sure that when I introduced you, I understood who you were. You were there representing the media aspect and what the media is looking for. But you have such a very cool, specific focus. I love Jose Andreas once said that food is everything and that food is really what unites us. And now I'm paraphrasing him. I'm not quoting him, but that it is what brings our cultures together. It is what brings our common memories together. And you're dedicated to preserving the stories around food and the cultures around foods that emerged through the African diaspora and have come down through the, the descendants of African cultures. Am I getting that right? That is correct. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, that is an amazing mission as far as I'm concerned. And I always have to say, you don't have to be in love with the idea of multiculturalism, even though I personally am. But, you know, you don't have to be to realize the value of this because food is about stories. Mm -hmm. When you eat a new bit of food, you want to hear a story that's behind it. And yes. when you're being introduced to I'm doing the big old air quotes here, weird or strange new foods, mm -hmm. things that are not familiar with you. Having that story to latch onto, it seems to me, has always made it so much easier to get people to take the ride with me. If I could be talking to them about this new thing so that it, it, they're appreciating it. So how did you get drawn to this as, as a mission? And how do you do that through your groups? Awesome. Well, thank you. First, first thank you for having me. Thanks oh, for pleasure. being here. Pleasure. Thank you for being here. You know, I started with a chef who wanted to have more recognition of black chefs in food magazines. And that's how it really started. And so from there, it just started to, you know, as I started to learn different stories to see the connections, it was also like, who am I? Where am I from in our family and all of that? And then you just start to see the connection that people have and cultures have over food. You know, we're not that far than you, as you think we are. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? If you look at a Jamaican patty versus an Indian samosa versus a pupusa, I mean, it's like there's so yeah. many things that 
are so similar among our cultures that draws us together. And so it was that storytelling of people saying, I grew up in the kitchen with my grandmother. She taught me this, she taught me that. And just the history, just, I was like, wow, this is just so amazing. And then again, just looking at my own family and being proud of that. And I think at the end of the day, you know, we do focus on the African diaspora, but it's also just be proud of who you are and keep your culture going. Because I'll be honest with you, a lot of people, you know, whether they're first generation Americans because their parents have immigrated to the U.S., there's that thing of following the American dream where you have to leave your culture behind, your language behind, mm -hmm. all of that, you know. But we want to celebrate who you are and what you bring to the table no matter what country you come from. And I think that's very important you know, overall. There's a story, and I can't remember, uh, one of the big uh, New York Times, Time Magazine, one of those that I just saw online this week that was about um, heritage tourism. Mm. And the idea was that, oh, yeah, I read you know, that the first yesterday. generation wants to assimilate, you know, first generation wants to survive, the second generation wants to assimilate, right. and then the fifth, sixth, and seventh generations want to get back to their roots. Right. Right? Go over to Scotland yes. and yep. you know, yes. do that or whatever. So, I mean, I do believe that, especially because so many of the African cultures have been now in America for so very, very long, mm -hmm. that you know, there, there's certainly the time is right for going back and rediscovering that, right? Yes. And um, are there specific cultures within that that group of you know of, of heritage of African heritage mm -hmm. that are hot right now, right? Is there maybe you know the I don't know Haitian food or what you know whatever it may be? Right. Well, I'll say you know we we do cuisine noir is digital all year long. And then we do a print issue and our print issue, we focused on the theme Africa rising because we're really seeing what's going on on the continent, the continent themselves of reclaiming history, reclaiming stories. And so you're seeing a lot out of Ghana. You're seeing, of course, Nigeria has always been at the top when it comes to, you know, African countries make, being being loud in a good way, right, mm -hmm. of, of showing what they have to offer. Um, Senegal, South America is always uh, South. I'm sorry. South Africa has always been there as well, as we know of different actors, actresses from the continent uh, for the country, but the food and things. So, you know, you're seeing West Oakland, you're seeing, you know, out of East, uh, West Oakland, sorry, West Africa. I'm from, I'm <laughs> yeah. from Oakland. Me too. Um, <laughs> but you're, but you're, you're seeing a little bit of East Africa when you're talking about Kenya, Tanzania, Ethiopia, and then, like I said, West Africa. And so it's really exciting just to see what's going on and each is sort of reclaiming history, reclaiming ingredients. Very important, especially with the whole climate change, because there's a lot of superfoods, a lot of grains that, was that grow question. in yeah. Africa that can sustain what we're going through through this crisis right now with climate change and things. So, you know, it's, it's definitely conversations going on to say, you know what, we need to look at the continent in a different way. Awesome. In a better way. Mm -hmm. So yesterday, I don't believe we had any direct, um, you know, African cuisines represented in what we, what we, you were asked to judge yesterday. Right. But we did have some multicultural things yes. being pitched to us. So as somebody who's about preserving the stories, I know that you were specifically happy with how one of the groups, more than another, was did it. But talk a bit about what we did yesterday and what you saw. Wonderful. So it was, I believe they called it the Face Off. Yeah, um, I just keep called. calling it Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm and bad. you know. Four amazing small businesses just, I think, within all within two years of starting, um, sharing their stories and going on stage for a chance to win $10,000 in promotional. That's um, great. And so, which was wonderful. So, first of all, it's hard because... You know, starting a business is hard for anybody, right? And so just keeping it going. But definitely with one, um, you know, again, it went back to being in the kitchen with their grandmother. And that really 
fuels the passion that we have because of the ingredients that are to our cultures and just really holding on to that. Um, it's yeah. really what's so special that I think that really, and when you talk about it, just transcends through the product that you bring yeah. so that you're focused more on that versus necessarily the sales or trying to do the mainstream or what's hot. Focus on your story and what you bring to the table. Have people fall in love with that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming by and saying Absolutely. hi to us. Tell people where they can find your work. Absolutely. So you can go to Cuisine Noir, that's C-U-I-S-I-N-E-N-O-I-R, mag.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, social, uh, all social media channels. Awesome. Thanks. We're going to swap you out. We have, um, I love it. People are actually walking yeah. by our place. And next up, joining me is a woman who actually approached me on, um, on the floor yesterday and said, hey, I saw you on TV talking about some products that I'm working with. Thank you. Which I, to which I said, no, thank you exactly. for letting me. And, um, <laughs> and please come on and tell me more about this. So this is um, Sarah Massoni. She is with the Food Innovation Center Experiment Station. Am I getting that right? That's Food Innovation right. Center from Oregon State University. Yes. And you have a nice little section that's all your stuff down there on the floor a lot of up-and-coming people that, that are coming through this Oregon University program yeah could you explain a little bit about it and how it works please? absolutely so we have a group of nine people that have worked with us at Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center we're located in Portland and we work with folks all over the region um, in Oregon but also across the world so we have clients from all over the place in our booth um, over the course of this show, we had eight companies from Oregon and one from Texas. Wow. So what is your goal that you guys do with, with your organization? Like what is yeah. the, the, at the be on and all, what's your purpose? What's your mission statement? So the state universities are built uh, with agricultural experimentation and ours is unique in that we're in the urban setting. And the original vision for the facility was to help create value-added food products using ingredients grown in our region. Okay. So we were there to help farms to commercialize and add value. Whenever you add value to com uh, agricultural products in a region, you're actually bringing money into the state instead mm -hmm. of always sending that money right. outside of the state. So it's economically driven. Our innovation center opened 25 years ago. Wow. So I've been with that facility for 23 of those years and really worked um, diligently to build up the entrepreneurship and food systems in our state. Are you able to tell us about any of the um, entrepreneurs that may have come through that program and, and have created some great things that bring value to those farms? Sure. So we actually have Lee Hedgeman. She has the Barrel B, and I think you shared her buzz sticks and um, either ketchup or barbecue sauce on TV this last week. She's a cool. distiller and takes beef. Um, honey from around the region and ages yeah. it in barrels. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think she had the buzz sticks on television, which cool. that's honey and alcohol. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we didn't do any of those. We were on yeah, TV that's like a combination in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it would be good during flu season, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then we have Willis Anderson, who he has a company that specializes in Southern-style barbecue sauces, and he is a veteran. Mm -hmm. And he's also African heritage gentleman. And so 
he um, joined us at the New York show and then he was here with us and is just working to build his family business. We also have uh, Lindsay Gott who has a company called Gateau and she's from Hood River, Oregon. And she um, does ready to bake fancy cakes and breads and um I saw those. Those were really cool. Yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. She's like I, a trained chef. She has her little chef jacket on and looks all fancy down there. At the, it, the cakes were great. Yeah. And like basically, as it was explained to me, I, I try to dump things down for you. You know, you're, you're the cook here. I'm not the cook. Right. I'm the, and I go. So, so this is basically the equivalent of the way that I buy um buy cookie dough in the right. tube. Right. Yeah. You just pop it in the oven. Yeah, and exactly. It tasted it's a hell elevated. of a lot better. The cakes there were so, so good. Yeah, yeah. It's elevated. And we have hot mama salsa with Nikki Guerrero, and she um, has a line of traditional sauces that her family would prepare for family meals, and she has a beautiful package and um, has lots of delicious stuff down at her booth and is ready to sell across the U.S. We have Ginger McCabe and her team. They have Chili Royale, which is a chili crisp, and she's on the south coast of Oregon. And they work with local farms to produce the chilies and dry them, and then so chili pepper crisps. Yes, about. Yeah. yeah, the topping, you know, it's mm-hmm. crunchy. It's I make it. Spicy. Yeah. It's one Good. of the popular um, items. Oregon is actually known for our red um, red onions. Mm-hmm. You may don't or may tell not Scott Conan. Yeah, <laughs> the Willamette Valley and Pink Wagon Foods with Tina Welch. She has a special uh, recipe and IP for making red onions stay red when they're pickled. Really? Oh, so, yeah, because usually that color just drains right the hell out. Yeah, it sure does. So <laughs> wow. that's her claim to fame. And then Lauren Lee is the one who came to us from Texas. She has Mirth Soup. She's actually a trained chef and had been trying to launch her soups prior to finding us before COVID. Everything's before and after COVID right. at this point. But before COVID and um, had some troubles with her co-packer uh, and sort of had to start over again and was just... <clears throat> excuse me, super thankful to find us to help commercialize her soup and get it back into production. So that was exciting. And then we have popcorn. Who doesn't love popcorn? Everybody's yeah, got popcorn. I'm, I'm hearing a lot, a lot of popcorn, popcorn going on. There's a lot of popcorn eating going on. I noticed you can buy fancy poppers to pop popcorn on your stove. Well, uh, Miss Hannah's popcorn claim to fame is they do fire pop. So they do actually pop the popcorn over a kettle. So you get really nice big kernels that are crunchy and delicious. And no, they're ready to sell. How do people get involved with your organization? I mean, do you have to be from Oregon? You said some people are from Texas, so I'm assuming that you don't have to be no, from No, I think you just need to have a passion for your food product and need assistance with getting it into the package or the bottle. Okay. Yeah. You work with people who have apps? And <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another maybe. Another question. Maybe we should talk afterwards. Yeah, and something else that's going to be really interesting to everyone who's listening here is the regional food business centers. Um, there's a, uh, 12 regional food business centers across the U.S. They're USDA funded. They were all launched this past July, July 2023. So if you're in the U.S. interested in starting food, please go into Google and just type in regional food business center, USDA regional food business center. Um, our center is located in Colorado, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Wyoming, and Oregon. And it's being co-managed by Colorado State and Oregon State University. And just because we have a lot of local listeners, um, so if somebody's in Nevada, 
Which would be the closest one that they should reach There's out to? There's a southwest region. Okay. So, and if you're in a different region and you're trying to figure out where you should go, just go to the USDA website, type in USDA Regional Food Business Center, and they have a list of all of the centers and who to contact for okay. your area. So it's easy. And our goal is to connect, strengthen, and scale food supply. So this was all kind of came to fruition based on the lack of food and regional foods availability during COVID. Yeah. To COVID. Basically, um, yeah. We all went into grocery stores and saw empty um, shelves, and it was really disconcerting. I think we produce food for all around the world, and it's really disheartening when we're producing food and we don't even have it local. Mm -hmm. um, and Can't get it into our own supermarkets or yeah, our grocery stores. So, yeah. Exactly. So we're working with underserved stakeholders in rural communities, farmers with disabilities, new entry and urban farmers, BIPOC communities, tribal nations, veterans, and regions of persistent poverty. So as, as part of the, your mission statement, and forgive me if I'm just reading too much into it, but as part of your mission statement, getting food into the so-called food deserts and the places in this country where it's really hard to buy quality food? Yep, I think that would be a true outcome of this work. We have um, two companies from each of our six states down in our area on the show floor, and they've all had a tremendous time. And when I was visiting with the folks that are inside of the Regional Food Business Center group, they all have really interesting reasons for creating their food products. Some are um, health-related, some are nutrition-related. They just have passion around what they're doing. One fellow has mushrooms that he harvests up in the mountains, and he's created a hot cocoa and a coffee replacer. Wow. Um, there's a company that's growing rice in, I think it was in <laughs> wow. Colorado or Montana. So you got a lot going on, man. Yeah, it's People doing cool. really innovative things, though. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It is cool. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming by and speaking to us. I really appreciate it. I know you, you were so busy down on the floor yesterday. I was very crossing my fingers that you'd be able to make it up today. So thank you so very much for coming up. Thank you. Oh, and as the, as the guests are now kind of following out here, it's getting a little more <laughs> echoey in here as everybody it leaves. Is. Um, yo, what the fuck? I say we got to get back down to the floor. Yeah. Right? We got to see more. I hope everybody's having a lot of fun listening to us, but there's still a few more hours. Plus, end of the show, that's when they give away all the free shit, right? I was going to say, we need to go down and, and start packaging up some stuff. Now is definitely <laughs> scavenger. This is the jackals emerge at the tail end of the, um, <laughs> of the fancy food show. <laughs> you see people walking around with like a side a fucking Iberico right? pork under their arm And all of our guests man. gave us such great recommendations, so we have to all f go find all these places. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to break. We're going to split for the day. We're going to head out there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to all of our guests, to Kimberly Lee, to Cherie Williams, Emily Dachuk, Darchuk, excuse me, Leanne Notabartolo. Um, we had Rashida Perry via Zoom. Thank you to Sarah uh, Massoni, who is fantastic. Thank you to um, Chris Rapushka. I think I've got everybody in I there. I think we got everybody. Yeah, so thank you all. And if not, we love you. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Rich Johnson for doing all the hard work of, of cobbling this together with my echoey voice all over the place. We love it's you, Rich. It's a big room. <laughs> we hope you're feeling better. Gemini, thank you for coming and, and uh, doing this fun shit you. with me, I Ben. Love it's this always so a blast. Much. Cool. Well, thank you. I am Al Mancini. On behalf of the entire Food and Loathing team, you have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Stay hungry. <laughs> <laughs>